0: Just to do the bare minimum to communicate well in the church is a full-time job today. However, most churches don't have the manpower, the expertise, or even the budget to hire enough people to really do it well. But Church Team helps churches communicate better both internally and externally by giving you a full team of pros for the price of one full-time employee. We manage your projects and requests, social media, website, design, email, and even coach you and your staff to communicate strategically and effectively to your community. Go to churchcomteam.com to find a plan that works for your church size and budget and book a discovery call with our team today. Regardless of your church size, you've got big vision for your community. We can help you make that happen. churchcomteam.com It's the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, a show all about church communications and digital ministry. Come hang out with us. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad to have my guest, Nachi Lazarus, on the show today. Um, been, been trying to get him on the show. He is a digital marketing consultant, social media strategist, keynote speaker, 15 years experience in marketing, kind of a big deal. So I'm really glad he's here. He successfully uh, implemented so many things in business and startups, churches, and, and, and nonprofits all over the place. Um, really great with faith-based organizations and helps them use technology, social media, communication strategies and tools just to get better equipped for uh, helping and serving others. Um, if you want to check him out nachilazarus.com we'll put that link in the show notes for you guys. Uh, with that, welcome to the seminary of hard knocks my friend.
1: Thank you Seth. It's so good to be here. I've been uh, yeah, I've been following you for, for a long time and I've been following the podcast. So it's uh, awesome to be on the show.
0: Well, I appreciate that. I've I've been following you. I was telling you earlier before we really started recording that I always check your feed to kind of know what's going on so that I can kind of know what's talking about. In fact, you're, you're in India, so yeah. you're literally in the future. So you, I get, I get future <laughs> news coming and what's coming up so I can tell people first. Uh, <laughs> but it, I always check your, your Instagram feed. You've got a great show there. Uh, tell us a little bit about you. How long, you've been doing this for a long time, right? 15 years. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. So I'll uh, come April, I'll be 20 years into marketing and uh, more than 15 years in the faith-based space. Okay. So first few years I spent in the corporate world and then we started our agency. And one of the very first clients we had was a faith-based church organization. And uh, they're still working with us for almost 15 years now. So, uh, and then, um, yeah, for the the first few years, we did both business and faith-based work, startups and all that, but always in the digital space we moved very early to the digital space in one way because of our kind of work that came to us. Um, And then uh, for the last eight years, we've been focusing exclusively in the faith-based space. Wow.
0: Well, we didn't really cover this pre-question here, so I'm going to put you on the spot, but whenever I get to talk to somebody internationally, you know, that that's on another side of the world, I always like to ask, you know, a little bit about the church. Cause over here in America, we really don't know much about the church abroad. We really don't. So it's kind of, it's really interesting to us to hear some of the things that maybe you've discovered. What's kind of different about communications in India and the church than it is over here in the States. What's something you would say is like a major, like yeah. that might shock us to, to know that i not shock us, but we'd be surprised.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I have this privilege of uh, having uh, both these worlds in my work. So mm-hmm. I kind of see those difference. So thanks for asking. Nobody has asked me this question. Really? Uh, the church is yeah. The church is quite uh, unique and very different here. So when you get here, one of the first things you will see is the uh, let's just say on a Sunday morning you are with the congregation and you get in, uh, you would you would just see the rush of people uh, on a Sunday morning to come in and get their seats and they're like waiting on the message you're like bring it on you know like really? very yeah. focused and very fast the the uh, the time between you get off the car to the you know seat is like you know probably you compare it and be like super fast really? and but in the uh, yeah in that side of the world I see people get off they're very relaxed it's a Sunday you talk to people you <laughs> shake hands you have I mean so so that's one okay but so it's kind of like
0: so it's uh, kind like of so like a tax-free weekend shopping spree everyone trying yeah. kind to of run over each other to get the latest deal yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but it's so church our, for us it's the 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 word is like you know it's 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 like you know very uh very crucial to kind of go grab it and then then maybe we'll relax a bit and you know wow. kind of hang out. but uh so that's one big difference if you ask me yeah. uh, but generally in terms of communication i think we are more focused on the actual core part of uh teaching and preaching and uh, worship. Then uh, I think we should actually learn a lot from uh, the Western uh, context in terms of networking. We are catching up there. I mean, we're still like community building, networking, okay. being there. Mm-hmm. You know, that part I think we're still catching up because uh, I, I guess there are many needs here and uh, cultural uh, requirements here that uh, focus uh, makes us focus on keep focus on the word and the worship as the main thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those are the, from my perspective, but, but other than that, it's, it's just beautiful to see how we serve one God and we have yeah. one family and the word of God is, is just this uh, rooted uh, in both the cultures. Yeah. I, I come from awesome. a, a non-Christian family I'm the first Christian in my house. Oh, so oh. I also have that side of my uh, perspective. So it's all very interesting.
0: Wow. That is, a, that is incredibly ex- Interesting to me. Um, tell me about the government. Does the government, cause I don't know anything. I'm literally, this is a dumb question, but um, you know, in some countries the government can regulate some of the church and kind of what happens. And when you have a, I'm not sure if India is this way where there's a religious tie to the government that might restrict some other types of religion. Is that the case there? Does that happen?
1: Yeah. I mean, we, as a country, we are secular. So okay. as a church, we are allowed to, we are, there's no freedom uh, restriction in terms of, having the church or running the church. So to have multi-religious uh, freedom is part of the constitution and okay. it's part of our culture. Good. Uh, it's not restricted in the, in the regulated sense, but uh, this is, as you know, Christianity is a minority here. Okay. Uh, so it's not the major religion and also um, and the types of government that come, which, which varies from certain periods. Uh, if the government has an affinity towards another religion, then kind of you know, the other religions kind of face the heat a little bit. So uh, in that way, there are restrictions, but I wouldn't, because I work internationally in different uh, other heavily restricted areas as well. uh, So I kind of know that uh, we don't have it as hard as some of our brothers in other parts of the world. It's much better. Having said that, we do have some difficulties, but it's not as bad as some of the other places.
0: Sure. Okay. That's fascinating. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. I didn't, I didn't know we were going to talk about that. I just, I just thought that'd be interesting to, to know. Um, I love, I love geography and learn more about the world. I wish I could travel more of it, but you know, for one money, two COVID, three, you know, who has the time, but um, <laughs> it would be really fun to be able to go to India and go to you know other places in the, in, in the world and just see what the church is like, how they're communicating. Uh, I just really love that. Eat the food. Oh my gosh.
1: Ah, Don't yeah. Me on food. Church, we've got, yeah, the food, the food, uh, you know, we always joke as a church, uh, we've got such a big history. And we always joke that Jesus sent one of his disciples here partially because of the food. So, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, go bring back some reports about the Indian masala or something like that. So. Uh, so it's, I mean, uh, just want history, because you said you like geography and history. So yeah. uh, like, okay. uh, you know, uh, one one part of that one twelfth of Jesus' army was given th- this nation. So okay. he was sent for us and he died here. So and we have a it? huge 2000 year old history with the church. And who was it? Was the doubting Thomas? <laughs>
0: before, before we got on, before we got on, you told me that that Thomas's tomb was there. I didn't know that was the, only, the disciple only disciple that came. But before we started recording, uh, he told me that uh, doubting Thomas, that Thomas was buried there, and that's where he came. And, and I said, "Are you sure? Oh, no, are you sure about that? A <laughs> Lot of <laughs> doubt around that guy.
1: <laughs> we should put that on a video, you know." <laughs>
0: I was messing with him a little bit. Well, I I really, like I said, I enjoy your show on Instagram. Um, I think you call it the connected church news, which is great because you have a book called the connected church as well. We'll talk about, but uh, the connected church news is something I tune into a lot because like I said, you are ahead of the game on what's coming up and what's changing in the world. So I thought today, um, first of all, drop your Instagram handle. What, what is it? Just your name?
1: It's Nachi Lazarus. Okay.
0: So everybody go follow him on Instagram. You're going to see um, some really, really great tips. And like I said, he's, he's a day ahead. So he's coming to you from the future. So you get it before everybody else check out his Instagram and he has the show that he does. It's kind of dominating a lot of your content on your feed for sure. um, Called the connected church news. And um, I just thought it'd be fun to talk through some of the things you've been discussing on there to say, here's what's coming up in social media, digital space, um, you know, In the near future right now, it's uh, February 11th, 2021 to date this podcast. But, you know, if you're listening to this later, you may go, oh, yeah, I remember that that failed or that didn't do it or that was great. But um, I just want to talk through some of the things so you get a feel for what he's talking about. And the first one is Twitter spaces. Let's talk about Twitter spaces really quick. You mentioned they were coming up. Yeah. What is that? (laughs)
1: <laughs> so what happened is, um, first let me give you a little backstory on the Twitter's agenda because we do this news every week. We kind of mm-hmm. almost see a pattern of how these companies are moving forward. Okay. And Twitter, as you know, is is older than Facebook. And they are like the real grandfather of uh, social media, if you call it. Right. So always I, I'm keen on following what Twitter is thinking because they, they seem to be a little bit ahead of uh, the trends. So they don't make, sometimes make a big use of the trend Like they kind of wait on it, but, but they usually catch it early. Yeah. So uh, we are talking about, so many people are talking about the audio based content now, which is driven by Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. But I just S1, got on there tonight. We, I just yeah. got on
0: there tonight. I had no idea.
1: Oh, oh I, man. I okay. Op-
0: I opened it up and like, I was like, what is this? And suddenly I was talking to somebody and they were talking to me. Yeah. I went, wait, they're talking. They're literally talking to me. Hey, what's up? It was so weird, and it was fun, yeah. and I hung out for a little bit and then got oh, off of there, but
1: yeah, yeah, it's a cool app. But it Spaces is,
0: um, is kind of like that, right? right?
1: Yes, so, uh, so now we are talking about audio, but uh, just going back to my story, so Twitter has been doing audio stuff for quite some time. They've been acquiring audio platform. They've been thinking of audio-only content, tweet with audio, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So they've been moving in that direction, of course, then uh, Clubhouse came in, but even before Clubhouse was launched uh, in December 20, uh, late December, early November, uh, Twitter kind of started floating the idea of Twitter spaces, which is exactly like Clubhouse. Uh, so it's a, it's a way in which you uh, bring a, a people, full, uh, people full of uh, enthusiasm about a topic onto a room, have a discussion, you can have a speaker, you can have a stage, exact Clubhouse dynamics. Cool. Uh, but then Clubhouse kind of, you know, took, took off. And then now Twitter is like, okay, let's start testing. So just two days ago, they started testing. So that was the one story you might have seen on my feed. So, and I got an invite uh, through one of my friends and I jumped in and I was like, whoa, because uh, it has some advantages over Clubhouse, which is very interesting. So it'll be very interesting to see how that takes off yeah. because twit- on Twitter, as you know, people have been there for years. They've got followers. There's a nice tribe and community that is built there. So it's much easier to have meaningful conversations. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we need to wait and see how that takes off.
0: Do yeah. you, you think you think spaces is going to be better than Clubhouse? You think it's got advantages? Yeah.
1: Uh, it would, it may not be better than Clubhouse. I, I think Clubhouse will continue to grow simply because Clubhouse gives everybody a uh, uh, equal platform to start with. Yeah. That was so nice. like, like, you know, yeah. I mean, Elon Musk came in with no followers, you know, of course, mm-hmm. now he has so many. Uh, you know, I, I, on that day he was there. I was there on that call. He was like anybody else. You know, yeah. so it kind of it kind of gives the same uh, starting point, which is a huge thing right now. Because when people get on a platform, they want to have followers, they want to build it. So basically, anybody can make it happen. So I think that factor will keep Clubhouse moving forward. Yeah. But I also think Twitter will make a dent in that space because uh, of the existing tribe and community that's already been
0: right. right. They've already got such a huge group of people to start with. It's kind of what happened with Instagram when they stole stories as well from Snapchat. Like yeah. Snapchat was doing well, but they were nowhere near the size of of Instagram. So Instagram rolls out stories. Now I mean, they've tried to roll out reels as well, and you know TikTok is. I think TikTok is better. But anyway, yeah. that's besides the point. Um, thinking about churches with Twitter Spaces, I mean, I can, I can think of sort of a couple of different applications for a, an audio based discussion hub. I mean. It, it, not necessarily just like replacing the conference call w- with staff meeting, but having discussion around a topic after the sermon with somebody like that's on staff or even leading your small groups and having them tune in through clubhouse in your small group meetings. I mean, I think a couple of things, do you have some things you, you've been thinking about for the church?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I totally agree. I think post-sermon, I I, I kind of define it as, uh, preparation in, for sermon, mm-hmm. pre-sermon, and post-sermon. So even when you prepare a sermon from a church leader's point of view, it'll be great for you to actually hop into different rooms okay. and kind of get a feel of what people are asking, what kind of questions. You know, I was uh, the other day in another That's room, great. not even like Christian room, but people are talking about like mental issues and they're talking about, you know, uh, loneliness and other things, which is fascinating. And they're not, it's not even a Christian context, but as a preacher, you start gleaning those, uh, feel of the market so I would say hop onto rooms in your local church area so let's say you're in Texas then you go into Texas related rooms and kind of get a feel of uh, you know what kind of topics people are talking about and then you kind of get a uh, sense of where you need to uh, move your sermon and then pre-sermon I would say once you have the topic I would recommend all preachers to actually open two or three rooms before the uh, preach, preaching session and kind of talk to people. Hey, this is what I'm planning. What do you think I should, you know, cover? What do you think about the thing? So then you might just have ten people, but those inputs are going to be like awesome. And 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 your church starts already talking about the sermon. Yeah. So it's almost like you're warming them up to the Sunday. And then come Sunday, you know, boom, yeah. you know, it's going to be. And then you can do the post thing like you said, which is again, incredible.
0: that's great. I didn't think about the pre-sermon. That's that's going to crowdsource some ideas. Cause I know that when I'm thinking about podcast ideas or blog ideas, I go to Facebook groups, I listen to what's being asked and I try to answer those questions in a blog or in a podcast. And, you know, so it's kind of like doing the same thing for your sermon. I really love the idea of including your own congregation. Like people can come in and, Hey, I'm thinking of talking about this. What do you think about that? You know? And then you get up on the stage on the Sunday morning and you're using examples from that group and they're like, Oh, that was me. That was me. You know, and that's kind of cool for them, but it's also cool to like have that, on the ground touch with your people. Oh, that's such a great idea. Oh, I love that. So Twitter spaces is coming, uh, check out clubhouse. Now, if you don't, if you don't have the spaces, but Twitter again is going to have a bigger space to me. It's like finally something to do with Twitter for the church. That's, you know, that's manageable uh, from a communication standpoint. I feel like Twitter is always about, it's not about mass production of content. It's about conversational content. And just like you said, it's the oldest one it's been the one that kind of has known who it is the whole time and stuck to it. So, um, it, it lasts. It's great. Well, that's, that's one, that's uh, Twitter spaces. Let's talk about YouTube clips. That's another thing you mentioned. Um, what is YouTube clips and why is it different from YouTube?
1: Oh, Seth, this is a big one from YouTube. Okay. And, um, I'll tell you why it's a big one. It's a very simple feature. Uh, And it's been one of the most requested features on YouTube's uh, creative uh, platform. So people have been asking. uh, So basically, let me tell you what YouTube clips is, is its ability that YouTube gives you to go to a YouTube video that you have uploaded and pull out a clip from that video with like super simple, just move your mouse to a space where you want to pull it out and then click and then boom, that clip comes out. Now, that is not a big deal in itself because Facebook already has it. They have a thing called clips and trims. Mm-hmm. Facebook Live has that. But what is unique and cool is this that clip that you pull out, they give you a unique URL just like a YouTube video.
0: Oh, just for that clip.
1: Yes. Now, that is where I think YouTube cool. has hit it. Uh, because what happens is imagine as a church, you put the thing out there and then Uh, there's one thing is to edit and create a like a short version for uh, uh, the social media promotions and so on but it's a completely different thing and mostly in in our circumstances we hear the preacher and usually in probably moved by the spirit or at the spur of the moment there is a you know a surge of amazing a few minutes that pops into the sermon right and that's where everybody gets the goosebumps and And for us to go and edit it quickly, that's the thing. Now you can take that after two days, package it, put it out there. But what if I want, like I do it in the morning service, what if I want the evening service? Or if I'm a multi-location church, what if I want the uh, service before it's streamed in another country to to see that clip? So that people are like, oh, did he talk that today? Then I'm going to go listen, you know? So that first 24 to 48 hours of reaction can now happen for the church and for the sermons with clips. So you take the clips, they give you the link, all this happened in a matter of seconds, and then boom, you know, you create a couple of lines, put it on Facebook, Twitter, everything.
0: That's amazing. Because of the process to get a clip on social media right now, is it does take a day or two for many many churches because there's okay. editing, there's you know, captions, there's uh, finding the clip for the first part, and then you got to download the video, bring it into Adobe, uh, you know, clip it out, re-export it, re-upload it, put it back out there, write your caption, and it's just this long process just to get a video clip that is like and a, a link and a link like a specific link just to it. Oh, that sounds great. I love that. YouTube is is very social, and this is like the the thing I always say, Vimeo is pretty and looks good on a website, but if you want social and sharing and clips and, sorry, and uh, uh, shares and things like that for your video, YouTube is, is where it's at, conversations. So, um, already we can see the application for churches immediately with that. It's just a quick turnaround for sermon clips. Now you're not going to get the ability to, you know, put in all the motion graphics and the little cool features and stuff. But if they're doing this, I mean, there might be a, a slight, you know, there may be an editor or something in the future where you can add some things like that to, a, to a clip. So who knows? Um, nice. I, I think that's a really cool one. Uh, and And not having to download that video first, big, big win
1: and rendering and all that kind of stuff. And most of which preachers are are church teams are not equipped to do. So they usually hire a video editor or a volunteer to do that. So now you don't have to go that step until you want to do something larger. If there's smaller ones, you can quickly do, take a clip and move forward with that. And I also think uh, Seth, it's going to be very useful for people who do quick stories because even though YouTube is a a, a, a 16 by nine version, Uh, usually in churches we have lots of space on the side so if you pick that clip and then you have the link and you want to throw that into stories there are a couple of apps that will cut 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 that into uh you know a vertical size very quickly like video one is called video resizer in ios so you just put that link there it will pull the video cut it and give it to you and then you can quickly throw it on stories you know so that's a quick way to do that. Yeah,
0: I use InShot for a lot of that kind of stuff too. InShot, yeah, uh, it's a great yeah. one as well. Um, so I I feel like this is a this is one of those things where if you can figure out how to do this, uh, you can clip things out really quick. And what it can do, I heard Dave Adamson talk about this at a at a conference a couple of years ago, and he talked about how they have a basically a YouTube funnel. So they have a small clip that leads to the big clip. You know, that, you know, a small social 10 second clip or something that leads or t- 30 second clip that leads to the three minute clip that leads to the full message sermon clip. Like you want to know more? Here's more. Go watch the full thing. Go watch the full thing. You know, and they have this kind of progression they do when they use those clips. And so I've always thought, man, who has the time? That's a great idea, but I'm never <coughs> going to get that done. You know, So having something like this could make something like that more, much more feasible. Um, let's talk about the uh, Twitters back to Twitter. Cause I never talk about Twitter and I'm excited to be able to talk about Twitter on here today, but um, you talked about something called birdwatch. Now uh, Twitter birdwatch uh, from what I understand is a community based way of flagging like bad information, fake news, uh, false claims, verifying info kind of stuff. Now, Facebook kind of has something like this. Twitter is finally bringing something like this in. They've had reporting and things. So tell us a little bit about what's birdwatch and why is that special?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Twitter has always been kind of uh, uh, wanting to have it a very moderated, and you know, controlled environment, as you know, because of their completely exposed public uh, platform with um, politics and sports, everything built into it. And the TV stations kind of plug into YouTube. And yep. anything said on YouTube is almost like news. So there's a heavy pressure on that platform compared mm-hmm. to any other social media platform. So they keep thinking about these things a lot. And, they, and I know they are also under uh, scanner for all, some of the policies. So they have been thinking about something like this for a long time. I uh, you know, I've been tracking the news, but now they've come up with this idea of Birdwatch. So what, but let me tell you what Birdwatch does is uh, you can basically take any tweet and if you think it's a misinformation, so primary idea of Birdwatch is to identify news that could mislead people, be it any topic. So it could be politics, it could be health like COVID or any other pandemic or any information about our medicine or anything. So basically, people can go to any video and kind of put the notes on. It. So uh, as of now, when you draw notes, your uh, information is recorded and then uh, so as of now, what they're doing is they collect all these notes related to the tweet and they put it on a separate site called Birdwatch. Okay. So that uh, Birdwatch site has those things. But eventually, what they're thinking of is to bring those comments onto the tweet itself. Um, now, I'm not sure but that's uh, that's a really good idea from my point of view, uh, but just my personal opinion. Maybe not. I think they should, yeah, keep it away because they're kind of distracting uh, instead of going through the conversation. People are starting to become, you know, critical of the concept and because there be there will be somebody who is always thinks something is a misinformation i mean right. what is a good information for me is a misinformation for somebody else yeah, so, i mean it, the any, level
0: yeah. the level of information you have to have to feel justified in why you disagree with something or think it's fake is so very low <laughs> it's so low especially here in america very very low i'm very critical of that but the thing is, this is a private company, right? So they, they can do this if they want to. You've agreed to using their product on their terms of services. It may You may not like it, but they can flag things. It, it, when, you're, when you're asking the community to do this, it, to me, it kind of says, we don't really want to have to handle this a little bit. You guys figure it out. It's yeah. like when you're getting in a fight with your brother or sister and your dad goes, hey, what's going on? And like, she did this, he did this. And they, and they go, get along. <laughs> and that's all. You're expected to kind of work it out. So I don't know that it's a, it's, it's, I don't understand if it, how it's going to work necessarily, but I do like the idea of they're trying, you know, that they're yeah. trying something. So maybe having it off, because there's value in having the warning of that this has been flagged. Um, yes so it's one thing if like someone re- reputable is flagging those things, but if it's just you and me flagging things because I'm mad at this person and I don't like <laughs> what they say. and I think they're an idiot. You know, it's like that having that on there. I mean, every tweet's going to have something. <laughs> so somebody's gonna get mad. So I kind of do like the idea of having it off somewhere else. Now, once it's over there on birdwatch, kind of in a third, third party section, what does, what, who looks at that and who's monitoring that and then brings it back, over for some kind of, I don't know, punishment or discipline or what? What happens then?
1: They haven't actually given those details yet publicly, but I'm oh. guessing, yeah, yeah, my guess is Birdwatch will eventually kind of tie into the algorithm in some form for them to, they would actually use that data to kind of start flagging certain high uh, highly uh, critical comments and kind of pull those tweets and have a manual review or something like that. Yeah. I'm sure they're working on it. It's a fairly new idea, uh, initiative. Yeah. So just a couple of weeks old. So I, I'm sure they will develop it as they go on. Yeah.
0: They need to do, do something. They need to do something. Um All of these companies, I'm, I love social media, but I also hate social media. You know, there's, yeah. it's a frontier, you know, there's, We have the FCC and all kinds of rules and regulations for what we do. I don't know what you have. You have some probably equivalent for radio waves and public TV airwaves. And, you know, we kind of knew what to print, you know, we kind of knew what to do with that. We made some rules. We don't have any rules for this. You know, we're making them up right now. And so it's just a big mess, but it, it, it's, it is something to watch. So, and, and I'll tell you this, if nothing else, I love Twitter's solid branding and cleverness when they, they named this Birdwatch. Yeah, that is absolutely. amazing. I mean, so many levels that name works, and I love it. The marketer in me is like, that's genius.
1: It is. That's I also I man. thought so too. Like brilliant, you yeah. yeah.
0: I didn't get fleets though. I didn't quite understand that one, but I do get Birdwatch. I like Birdwatch. Uh, that was pretty good. Uh, Portal also not making a lot of sense. Maybe I'm wrong about them being good at marketing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of working myself out of my own argument anyway. So look for Twitter birdwatch, check that out and you can read up a little bit more on that. Um, let's move to Instagram. Um, there's two things. One we'll just hit really quick. Um, and then and the second, I really want to camp out a little bit on um, let, let's real quick. Let's talk about the new terms of service. Um, the terms of service came were changed. And, and for you, you know, you have a, it's lumped in with WhatsApp. We really don't have WhatsApp. We don't really use that here, so yeah, pushing that to the side. Instagram's kind of where we're at here. We we got new terms of service, service, and people went kind of ballistic about it. Um, I I was reading around. I know it's got Madonna really mad because (laughs) you know Madonna's really upset about it for some reason. So there's something in there that kind of made people a little nervous. I haven't dug deep into it. I know you really haven't like researched it either. But can you give us a quick you know, 50,000 foot overview of maybe what's going on there?
1: Yeah, I think the the biggest piece that made uh, people go, uh, you know, crazy over it was uh, the access to content. So almost the wordings were like, we've got access to your content and also access to your camera or something like that, the yeah. wordings that went into something like that. Uh, so those are the two big pieces. And other than that, the rest of it is, we will modify your account. And the other thing was it said, uh, you cannot join a, a class action lawsuit again when it happens, or something like yeah. that. So it was, it was, it was a combination of just features, plus also saying you can't do this, you can't do that against us. So yeah. it's a very, like, very defensive uh, kind of terms. So I'm not a very, I'm not a big expert in legal terms and services and stuff like that. But I'm more of a marketer. But from what I see, what what really got people upset is the fact that uh, it was almost saying, look, we will say what we want to say. Now it's up to you to either accept and be with us or just, you know, move on. And that is is exactly also what happened with WhatsApp here. And and millions of people just left and moved. Uh, They didn't leave, but they actually uh, tried going and picking up another uh, app like Telegram or Signal. Because it was pretty much that they and they even put that on the blog saying, "Hey, uh, we are." By the way, as they started the blog explaining, they just started saying, "By the way, we're not changing any terms, but we just want to explain what it is." You know, mm. so it's okay. like you know, that's what that's what is uh, it's a little bit concerning with the whole Facebook uh, company and uh, you know all the apps related to Facebook. So yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. And I'm also thinking, Seth, it's it's also driven by some of the other uh, acquisitions, and other multiple things that they are trying to do to kind of make the company strong. Yeah. So they are bringing in the portal and all of it requires like, for example, camera access. The reason they're saying we want access to your camera is because it, what if you use Instagram on say portal? I mean, you really need, cam- you need to give. It. So they don't want you to accept anything there because they already get a pre-acceptance. Then they can give you other products very quickly. You know, that's like kind of the idea behind these things is what I feel. Yeah. It's it's, anyway. it's
0: like er, there's, there's these cool features. You can have them. They're free. If you want them, you need to give us your child. <laughs> and, and, and we're all like, hmm, okay. <laughs> you know,
1: it's like it's finally, a little. Finally what? We say yes. Yeah, because
0: yeah, we want the Instagram. You know, we really want to be on the gram. You know, um, so they're, they're, just, they're kind of just slowly taking so many things, I feel. There's a privacy issue with social media. There there yeah. really is. The privacy thing is going to be a fight, I think, in this next couple of years, for sure. It's already started. It's already been in the news quite a bit. And as as social media, come, like we said, we don't have defining terms for this. It's not regulated by the government. And so these companies are are just so big that they're, I mean, honestly, Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp, even TikTok, Twitter, these are not really, they're private companies, but they're not private. They're more utilities now for so many people, and right. we haven't defined them as that. So it's its getting kind of weird, you know, and we just really, they're so big, we don't know what to do with them. But if you're nervous about it, go read through the Instagram terms of service and just see how they w- have worded things. They need access to your camera to use Instagram. So you you have to give it, but there may be some other things i I'm a believer, man. I really do believe they're listening and, and and they're using it to market. i just I believe it. I've had so many weird experiences. That's one of my weird like one conspiracies I might believe. you know It's like I really think they are listening, man. They say they're not, but still, I think they might be.
1: Yeah, I also have a perspective set for specifically for church leaders and people who may be thinking. So, so Nachi, so what do we do? I mean, you're saying this is what it is. Now should we use it or not use it? That's like the first question that I usually get with leaders. So I just want to give a, like a three-minute perspective on this. Here is my thing. Always look at not just social media, any media for that matter, whether it was print or radio or you know, announcing on the megaphone on the street or whatever it was that we evolved from. Look at media in two angles. One is your personal thing. Nachi as a person. The other is Nachi as a church leader. Yeah. So it's got to be like, you've got to look at the tools as the tools, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, the same tool can be used for breaking. The same tool can be used for building, right? It's the same hammer that, that's useful for both. That's so cool. these companies, of course, they are commercial. They have their interests. They're out there. But what? guess what? The people are there. And we are the church. And we are about the people. So even if Jesus did not like the smell of the marketplace, he was at the marketplace, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because the people were at the marketplace, <laughs> you know, it was fish, like there that. were fish, it probably was smelly, but he would have loved to be on top of the mountain rather, but he was there, you know, and that's the idea. So I would say as a church leader, you your personal decision is yours. I'm not going to influence how you do that. You don't want to use Instagram or WhatsApp. That's fine. It's up to you personally. But as a church, I would say, Look at it only from one angle. Are my people using it? Now, if you, all your people are saying, I don't want Instagram, then you don't want to be on Instagram, right. even if it's the best platform in the world. But if everybody's using Instagram and they are okay with giving access, if they are okay with the privacy, then as a church, as a ministry, you be there and make full use of it without any prejudice, without any bias, without holding back. Because at the end of the day, our message is not a private message, it's the public message. And it's for going on rooftops and shouting over it. So I think it's just a perspective change. I just wanted to put it out there yeah. before people shut their minds to, uh, you know, certain platforms.
0: Absolutely. I think that's that's a good word, man. Um, speaking of Instagram, they have something new called professional dashboards. Uh, yes. Really, really quickly, what is the use of a professional dashboard? Dashboard? Why would a church want to use something like that? What does it do? What? It, how, why would we
1: use it? So two things. So one is, I'll give you a little bit of history of how this whole thing works. So Instagram has been wanting to give, Instagram, as you know, is a mobile-based platform. So they want to do, even though they are on desktop, they are part of Creator Studio and Business Manager and all that kind of stuff with yeah. Facebook, as an as a app, they want everything to be accessible on a mobile. So what they started doing is earlier, just a few months ago, uh, early 2020s, they started putting this thing together called Professional Hub. So this is basically a blog uh, kind of a thing where they brought in uh, professional content, like how do you monetize Instagram? Uh, There's so much you can do with Instagram and such a powerful platform with so many people using it every single day, right? Mm -hmm. So they, they wanted to tell people how to do branding deals, how to do shops, how to use payment terms, all that kind of stuff. So all the professional way of using Instagram, they brought in videos, teaching material, all of that into this place called Professional Hub. And then, but the thing is that that whole thing was desktop. It was more connected to Facebook's blueprint kind of, you know, teaching environment. So this professional dashboard is basically them bringing that into a mobile space and uh, also adding that with uh, some statistics at the top. So they kind of merged the Instagram insights and the professional content and they brought both blog and that together. So that way, on one dashboard, you see the numbers, but also because you see the numbers, you kind of figure out, oh my. For example, if the engagement is low, then at the uh, at right below that, you will see an article that says how to increase engagement. So they kind of educate you. Okay. So it's quite a quite a useful, interesting thing if you have a business account.
0: Okay, so you have to have a business account to do it. So, and if you're a church, you should have a business account. I think yeah. you should just go ahead and switch it over if you haven't done that. Um, you need those insights anyway, and all the other things it offers. And the ability to connect to your Facebook page and run ads, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, definitely get that. Um, okay, that, that's cool. So, it's a good place to start using a little bit more and uh, learning a little bit more about how to use Instagram more effectively, how to market more effectively as a church. And I think, you know, at this point, a lot of churches are thinking, I, I, I feel, they're trying to work their live stream, they're trying to work Facebook, they're trying to get Instagram, uh, sorry, uh, YouTube up and running. And other than that, it's like, they're really focused on just those things right now. So Instagram kind of takes a backseat, but Instagram has got a huge, huge audience in your church and lots of interesting ways to interact with them. I I'm a big fan of Instagram. I love it. Um, You know, I always push for it as well. So let's talk real quick about your book. You've got a book called The Connected Church, a social media communication strategy guide for churches, nonprofits, and individuals in ministry. All right, So that kind of sums it up. But tell us what's in this book and, and how it can help a, a church communicator.
1: Yeah. So this book is for anyone who is wanting a very high level overview of what is social media, why should I use it, and how do I actually go about it from a, framework perspective the core uh element of this book i would say is the communication model that i lay out there mm-hmm. and the six-part implementation framework now this comes from like my my all my years of working with uh faith-based ministries because one of the things i see is i go in and there are these goals uh usually two things are not a problem with us churches with all of us one is uh it, the goals, the goals in in some way, we got a hang of what we want to do at any given point in time. Uh, any church kind of knows this is where this is what I want to do on a very high level. Mm-hmm. The second is content. Content is not our problem. We create content every week. So I kind of have all my other industry friends, you know, uh, jealous of me because they're like, we're trying to create content every week. We plan for it. But you guys, I said, we've been creating it for the last 2,000 years. You know, we have no problem creating content every week. You know? yeah. so, uh, so those are two non-problems. But where the problem is, is that uh, with these goals and this content, now how do you go about in this maze of social media? Like, where do you even start? That's like one big problem I've seen with every single church that I've consulted. So I will go in and they'll be like, uh, brother, do we have to go with YouTube or Facebook or, you know, Twitter? Where do we start? What do we do? So yeah. that is what this book is going to do. Uh, the first couple of chapters are more about why you should do social media, the Bible-based perspective and all that. But if you, are, if you know that, most, most of you do with 2020, I think you can skip the first two chapters, uh, first two sections of the book. And straight go to the third section where I talk about the communication model. So I talk about the four simple things that every ministry has to put in place, which is uh, the four C's. And then the content, the community, the core, and things like that. So you just put them together. And then uh, the next part of the book where I spend most of my time in the book the, is the six-part SPIRIT framework. It's easy to remember. It's an acronym SPIRIT, which we all know, S-P-I-R-I-T, and it has six parts. It's a step-by-step progression, starting with the structuring, packaging, uh, integrating, and Tracking and uh, uh, ignition and all that just goes one by one by one. So uh, and that's how the progression should happen in your ministry. So if you do, if you're stuck with where do I start, you start with structuring. You start with structuring your goals. You start with structuring your team. And I give you the tools. I give you the uh, you know the framework to do that uh, just to get it started. So it is more for ministries either who is who are starting out on social media or who are saying we've done social media for some time but we kind of stuck. I don't think we know what we're doing. We want to move forward. There may be a few like that. There are many churches who do a fantastic job. So if you're moving forward ahead, then this may not be a big help. But if you want some really restarting your social media journey, then these six-part framework will definitely help you.
0: Yeah. I really love in the book how you start with that that why behind the what of of social media, and then you break down, like, and and here's a, here's a way to lay out. Like, here's how you get started with it. Here's how you put the plan together. And it's the practical application part. So like you said, you can, you can, if you're kind of good, you're like, Hey, I'm with you. Just show me how to do it. Then you can get to that second half of the book. And it's really, really great. So, well, well Nancy, I'm so glad that got to finally hang out and be on the podcast and, and talk with you and just, um, your, understanding of the technology of what's going on in the back end background here is, is phenomenal. And I really appreciate your lending that to us and educating us. So um, get the book on Amazon and uh, you can obviously order it on your website too. We'll link to that, but in both places for you in the show notes here, Uh, where can people connect with you? Where would you prefer?
1: Uh, Instagram. Okay.
0: Good deal. It's the best place. Uh, that's what I think too. Yeah. That's where the show yeah. is. That's where you do a lot of your your work. So, um, connect with him on Instagram. Put his his handle in the show notes as well. And Nachi, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you, brother.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be on this show. So, thank you. I really appreciate it, Seth. and I appreciate all that you do.
0: Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks. We'll be back with you again in a week. So, uh, we'll see you then. Thanks. Bye.